Hello again, this is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and good to be with you again. This is Nate Johnstone, here with Paul Anderson, good evening. and I apologize for my very low voice, slightly rasp, more raspy than normal, hopefully you can hear it, and uh, in case you don't know, Paul and I are both pastors, we've pastored for a while, Paul, a bit longer than myself, um, and... One of the things that we have come in contact with time after time after time is what we refer to as strongholds in people's life. And this, it creates a lot of issues in terms of counseling and in terms of discipleship. And so, Paul, why don't you give us an intro into what, what are we talking about when we talk about breaking free from strongholds? Okay. I'll start a really good short story. Perfect. Most of my kids, I've got six kids, as you know. Most of my kids were afraid of dogs as toddlers. Erica was especially terrified by big barkers. And she would run to me for cover. But when she was on daddy's shoulders, she would say in happy tones, Hi, doggy." She had found safety. Moms and dads are often safe places for kids. And so is God. David, he wrote this in the Psalms. He found security in the Lord. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. So David needed somewhere where he could go that was a safe place. And he experienced God to be a reliable place. So he praised him for it and called God his stronghold. So that's using the word stronghold, obviously, in a positive way. That's right. And unfortunately, we don't always go to the Father. So we might go to some other place rather than God and something that seemed like a safe place, but eventually what we thought was a refuge becomes a stronghold that imprisons us instead of freeing us. Okay. And if this is the way that Paul used it in 2 Corinthians 10, when he says, uh, the weapons of our warfare have divine power to tear down strongholds. Those are... Those are strongholds that imprison us in our mind that we have to break free from. So, okay, so strongholds can be in our mind or in our heart, maybe um, something we turn to other than God. Right. Okay. And it's interesting because it, this psalm that I just read from Psalm 18, David went on to write, In my distress, I... I'm going to finish that in a moment. But what do people do in their distress? In my distress, I went to the refrigerator. In my distress, I... Took a drink. Yeah. Or had some drugs. Or in my distress, I got angry. Maybe even in my distress, I went to church. That can become a sure. religious stronghold. Anything that will eventually become such a habit that I can't even not do it. 
Fortunately, we read, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. He was challenged by cords of death, and he was afraid. He, he could have said, in my distress, I attacked, or in my distress, I panicked. But he wrote, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. He chose the right response and received a favorable solution for his fear. It goes on later in the psalm to say, he delivered me from my strong enemy. So what if David had chosen a stronghold other than God? He might have been captured or killed. He found God to be a perfect fortress. And elsewhere he wrote, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And so <clears throat> life is full, we might say, of barking dogs that intimidate us. And we were created to rule. But when we drop the scepter through sin, Satan picked it up and now comes against us. And he's called by St. Paul, the prince of the power of the air. Jesus called him the ruler of this world. I can't survive on my own against him and his army. I need outside help. Mm -hmm. And where I turn in my distress, in my need, determines whether I find freedom or bondage. And Karen and I discovered this through a friend, and I wrote her story up because it, uh, it actually taught us what a stronghold was and how we can get free from it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to share a little of that here. Yeah. Trapped in a stronghold of using food for consolation. Anna, which wasn't her real name, looked in the mirror at her bulging body and loathed herself. So she was a mature Christian with a good marriage and in a leadership position in her Lutheran church. The loathing was so painful that she compared herself to everyone she saw, looking for bodies that were more out of shape than hers. And she engaged in a frantic search for clothes that disguised her size and hardly anything did. The reflection in the mirror worked constantly to convince her that she was of less value than thin people alive. And Satan used every trick to limit her capacity to serve the Lord with confidence in Jesus. Now remember when you were thin and gossip about how you've let yourself go. You can't wear the latest style that just make you look like a rat. The cost of focusing on her image usually sent her back to the refrigerator to coat the pain with another root beer float or piece of pizza. My wife and I had no idea that our friend Anna was in such a prison. That's a sad story. Um, common. Common, yes. Too common. Quick disclaimer, we're not saying that someone who is overweight has a stronghold necessarily. Thank you. That was That's, just, yes. that was this person's real life story. Um, thin people can have a stronghold sure. of food just oh, sure. as much. Yes. Um, or not eating food and such. I, going to St. Olaf College, I knew a number of women with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. And I, it's not like they told everybody that. I, I would find it out later on or in prayer or in, you know, they would confess it to me and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I'd be like, what? 
What are you talking about, Nick? It surprised me that strong Christians could struggle with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and these things that we're talking about, the, that, that's such a great example, that story you gave, because it's not, it didn't start out as like an overt sin. Right. It's someone who was in pain. Mm-hmm. Someone who was going through a difficulty. Mm-hmm. And they simply turn to something other than the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. It's easy to do. God is supposed to be our stronghold. And time and time again, the Bible says, we turn to God when we need something. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. If we have need of provision, actual physical provision, we turn to the Lord. In Matthew 6, Jesus is clear over and over again. Do you need food? Do you need clothes? Do you need jobs? Don't worry about this stuff. Turn to me. That's what I'm for. Over and over again throughout the scriptures, from the beginning to the end, we're supposed to turn to God, and that's true for our emotional needs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very easy for people not to do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't been taught, or maybe they have, and something else is just easier or quicker. Um, I think that's probably the case in my life is more an issue of laziness than of a desire to, like, rebel. It's not that I don't want to turn to God. It's that whatever else I choose to turn to is faster. Mm-hmm. It's closer. Yeah. It doesn't require effort, you know? Sure. And so, I and, I, and th- this person then did that over and over again, and it created a vicious cycle. Then she was trapped. At that point. When a stronghold is a stronghold when it becomes a prison. Yeah. You, you can't get out if you want to. And perhaps it would help to share a few other different kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. I'll just share a few. Um, Jerry. He's a graduate student. Okay. He's promised a job after he finishes. And he feels the pressure. But he's going for it. Mm-hmm. But he's anxious. And so one night, in this anxiety, he has a drink. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. And it really settled him. And he was able to sleep that night, and he was worry-free. And uh, he got back at his stuff the next day, but that evening he felt the same pressure. And other people could do that, but not Jerry. Jerry had the kind of personality called an addictive personality Mm -hmm. and he went back to a drink every night and then he started drinking during the day because it it helped him so much Mm -hmm. but then he found he couldn't not drink and he was trapped right and the sad thing about it is that he finally had to drop out of graduate school of course then he didn't get the job Mm -hmm. and it just ruined him sad i know someone who had that almost that exact same story, but with pain pills. They were in an accident, a car accident, bad car accident. We're going through rehab, but things just weren't progressing well. And there was a lot of pain, a lot of pain from that. And they just, you know, the doctor prescribed pain pills, so they were taking them. And it was then the exact same story that you just told. And eventually they were trapped in there. They couldn't get out of it. Yeah. But they found freedom. Through Teen Challenge, they, they, in their case, they went into a program. And Teen Challenge is such, such a great program because it helps teach you this. 
how to break strongholds in your life mm-hmm. and turn to God instead. Neat. Here's another one. Elder in a church. We'll call him Marv. Good name. Yeah. Good fake name. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a good elder and there was a, he was godly and for some reason late one night there were issues at church that were really getting him down and late that night he just went on a site on his computer it was porn and he felt some guilt but he also felt some relief and it was frankly very satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, he didn't want to tell anybody. He didn't tell the pastor. He didn't tell the elders. Didn't do it again for another week. But then it, a week later, he did it again, and it really seemed to meet a need for him. And then he started doing it every night, every night. And he was so ashamed that he. He was scared to death that somebody was going to find out. Mm-hmm. But yet he could not not go, and he, he got trapped. It became a stronghold in his life. So those kind of things are all too common. Yes. So what is a stronghold? Let's let's just talk about that for a moment and mm-hmm. uh, just give people an idea. It's something that I run to instead of God. Fortunately for David, he ran to God. But what if he'd run to something else? What if he'd run, if, he, if he'd taken a sword and started swinging it? Well, at one point he ran to Bathsheba uh, instead. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go so well for him. It's a God substitute. It's something that I trust to help him. Isaiah says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. Listen to this. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. He is the strong. Mm -hmm. And they continue century after century, generation after generation, going after other safety nets, strongholds, and they became in fact, it's a lie that I continue to believe. Because I'm vulnerable, I don't realize that I'm embracing a lie, and it worked once, so I continue to try it. And as we know, a lie of Satan's dominion. He's the father of lies. He's the inventor of lies. And uh, when I accept a lie, I'm dropping the belt of truth, and I'm open to attack. A stronghold is something I don't like talking about. Mm. It embarrasses me. Yeah. And I don't want to bring it up. I can't be vulnerable. It's, it's, it's something that I uh, makes me feel like a wimp. And so I feel powerless to break it. And I'm not going to talk about it because it's going to expose something in me. It'll condemn me like it did for our friend Anna. And uh, we were shocked when she finally told us. Because we didn't know that she had that kind of prison that she. Yeah, that's my that's been my experience with people too. Yeah. 
it's also a, it's also a secret. And sometimes it's a secret that I don't even know about. If we say mm-hmm. yeah. we have no sin, who are we deceiving? Ourselves. We ourselves. So it fools others, but eventually it ends up fooling ourselves and we fall into self-deception. Satan has a variety of weapons. He's got accusation, intimidation, temptation, and deception. Deception is probably the most common in the Bible. Where he's a liar and a father of lies. And if he can convince us of two things, there are two pictures. You and I have talked about this a lot when we talk to people about identity issues. The picture that we have of ourselves and the picture that we have of God, those two pictures are absolutely essential for us to know who we are and to walk into our identity. Mm-hmm. And so Satan wants to change what we think of ourselves and what we think about God. He started right in uh, beginning Genesis chapter 3 with saying, did God really say mm-hmm. you can't eat the tree? And Eve said, he said we couldn't eat and we couldn't even touch it lest we die. He knew we had her because mm-hmm. she's adding to something. So maybe she's already feeling, man, we can't even touch that thing. She may already been Which feeling. God never said. He didn't say that. No, he didn't. But she's getting a little like, boy, God really holding us to it here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knew he had her. And then he, he just straight on, God did not say. God knows if you take of that, you'll be like him. You'll know good from evil. He appealed to their sense of dignity and pride. You'll be like God. They bit the apple, or they, mm-hmm. whatever that was. But the toughest thing about deception is that you don't know you're deceived. <laughs> yes. I mean, most people don't say, oh, that's a lie. I'm going to believe that. Yeah. They get deceived. They don't know it. And so I, a lot of the people that I've known who've had strongholds don't know it. Sometimes it's just that they don't admit it. They're kind of in denial. Like, I knew a guy who, in my opinion, he had a drinking problem. And we talked about it, and I brought it up a couple times, and he was very resistant, which most people with drinking problems are. But it was because he's like, look, I am not an alcoholic. My Someone in his family was an alcoholic. I am not like that. Okay, well, do you need to drink? No. By that he meant he's not compulsed to drink. But he did have to drink in order to feel better. See? And so, although he wasn't an alcoholic, he had a stronghold of turning to alcohol. I don't know how it started, but, you know, he would be in a bad mood. And alcohol lightens your mood. That's one of the purposes of alcohol. And in safety and moderation, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're turning to it instead of turning to God, that's the problem. Like what I tell people is, if you come home and say, man, what a day, I need a drink. You probably in that moment should not have a drink. Because now you're turning to it to give you something that you are, in my opinion, supposed to turn to the Lord for when you're in your hour of trouble, distress, whatever it is. Because when you make that choice to start turning to something else, whatever it is, 
even if it's something that's not inherently bad. I mean, you brought up porn. That's obviously a sin, and there are many sinful strongholds, sure. too. But church can be one. Yes. Absolutely. Um, alcohol, there's, there's a lot of them. Pain pills. There's nothing wrong with taking a prescription medication, but um, it's when you're turning to it instead of, you yes. easily can become emotionally dependent on it at the very least, but you can also become physically dependent on it. And once you make that choice over and over again a few times, pretty soon you find you need it. And this guy, he needed to drink. He couldn't not drink. I'm like, okay, how about this? If, if you're not an alcoholic, then don't drink for two weeks. And I'll, I'll shut up. I'll never bring it up again. Couldn't do it. No. Third day, he came to me and he's like, all right, we need to talk. And I'm like, okay, did you drink last night? No, I drank the first night and the second night and last night. Mm-hmm. And I tried really hard not to all three nights. Mm-hmm. And so he came to he came to believe later on that he was an alcoholic mm-hmm. in the sense of being an addict to alcohol, not in the sense of being allergic to it or, or any other number of other terms. But um, and that's how it started for him. Um, and it was very avoidable. And he he was healed. He got over it. And now he can drink, which mm-hmm. is why I don't consider him an alcoholic. Why? Because once he was freed from the stronghold. Mm-hmm. He, after years, you know, is now able to go and take a drink, and it's fine. That's not a problem. He has his wife keep him accountable, and other people keep him accountable, make sure. But it's it's like hardly even a temptation for him anymore. Good story. Which is, it's, you can be healed from these. <laughs> you can yeah. be set free from a stronghold. But he didn't even know he had it. Hmm. Like, it didn't occur to him at all that this was a problem. Yeah. You know? Well. So very deceived. That's the, uh, the the real difficulty of strongholds is that they're surrounded by usually many lies. Yeah. Satan goes after us, like I said, to to change our picture of God as he did in the garden, or to change our picture of ourself. And I have written down. A bunch of lies that I've heard Satan say to me and to other people. Uh, you should not be teaching Sunday school. You're not a good Christian. Or you're not beautiful. That's a common one. Yeah. Or you're dumb. You're ugly. God is angry with you for what you did as a child. Most people have three times the talent you have. God has abandoned you. See, they're lies. They're aimed at cutting at our identity. So that we don't know where we're going. We can't walk into our identity. And so that we hesitate to come to God. And I think that's always Satan's primary goal. Anything he can do to keep us from turning to God. Yes. God's upset at you. How you, you, you keep screwing up. What is your problem? Whatever he can do to get you ashamed or afraid or angry, anything he can do to keep you from turning to God is a win for him. Yeah. And so he will just... He'll throw anything against the wall and just see what sticks. God has abandoned you. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, appealing to our pride, you're far better at this than he or she is. The only problem people don't know it. No. Mm-hmm. You aren't appreciated much. You're being neglected. God isn't hearing your prayers. So that's interesting. I, I think we should stop here and let people think about this over the next week or however long it is before you listen to the next podcast and think about 
and even ask the Lord, God, can you help me reveal? Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and reveal all truth. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal to me lies that I am believing? Yes. That I maybe don't even realize. Probably don't realize or I wouldn't believe it anymore. Um, but sometimes we know, I know God doesn't reject me, but I feel that way. Mm-hmm. Even though I know in my head it's dumb, in my heart I still feel that way. So sometimes we do know it's a lie, but we still believe it. Other times we just have no idea. So I encourage you, pray over this week. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me the lies that I am believing that the devil is telling. And I would encourage you to write them down um, and continue to bring them up in prayer before the Lord and say, Lord, break this lie over my life. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. We're going to continue talking about these lies and how to break the power of the enemy.